0: Let me see if I can see everybody. Yeah, see you over there. Um, the hipsters. Back row. Hipsters. <laughs> it just seems so natural that if something's not feeling right, or you have a certain sense of there's got to be more, Or something beyond this that um, it would motivate us seeking for that, yeah? And you would think the seeking would be pure and noble, but maybe there would be obstacles, and then I'd find maybe obstacles in my health and stuff like that, yeah? Need to be purified, become a receptacle, yes? Uh, you know, bring in an, uh, an antenna so it can pick up the one God frequency and you would move towards it and all the while what you call you would be playing God, yes. It would be telling you how close you are to God or how far away you are from God. And, and uh, the systems themselves are incredible because let's say if they were like a furniture delivery system they would have been shut down years ago because they're saying it may take lifetimes to get you a couch. You know? I mean, to put it in an order, you do everything they tell you, and then it's like, oops, you, it's always put on us, really, isn't it? Usually it's turned on us. Even if it isn't turned on us, it's turned on us because that's self-centeredness. Self-centeredness sees everything as how it pertains to it. So I remember a very strong, experience I had that uh, proved the whole principle, which was when I was young, my father got ill, very ill, and I was six years old, and things were going to change, so my mother told me about it, you know, like, she didn't, ex- descri- you know, explain me all what was going on with him, but that he wasn't going to be available as much to me as he was before. And they brought the family doctor, Dr. Jane Quinto, and he told me. And I sat there, it was on a, a picnic bench outside the house, I remember. And you know, it made total sense, but the only way it got translated in me was, what did I do to cause my father not to want to play with me? Really, that's basically how it got translated. It didn't matter what they said. I must have done something to cause this because that's the whole root of self-centeredness, yeah? You, and the language that we've been listening to, because the broadcast is in that language of English, let's say, the English language is constantly implying or just stating as a fact that we have a lot to do with a lot of shit, we have nothing to do with, really. So if you're, if the language is running all day, yeah, and it's constantly assuming, or pointing, or inferring that there's a someone there. Uh, the mental state doesn't need that much to sort of picture itself as that someone there. Yeah. Because I remember when I was young, when I looked in, I didn't find anything. I looked out, I thought everyone was Peter Kennedy and Mary Ellen Geary, you know? But when I looked in, there was nothing there, it seemed. And it was co- and the mental state got very, very agitated and very, very uncomfortable. And so I was basically perfecting songs and dances to keep people from seeing that there was no one there. Yeah. Seriously. Since, uh, and I was good at it for a, quite a while. Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to get out of something, and it would seem like. Yeah, that was a good move. And so I tried. The first vehicle was reading, you know, science fiction. Edgar Allan Poe. I read all Edgar Allan Poe's works before I was twelve years old. Read everything. I mean, I loved *Sick Mind*. I did. (laughs) Just (laughs) like (laughs) it. He was a genius. And I liked that he down he drowned in a puddle while under the effects of opium, which back then was called laudanum. It was a tincture. And actually, in the turn of the century, the 19th century, there was more addicts to the percentage of the population than there is probably now. A lot of women and wives were drinking this shit for everything. It was a tincture. They were all opened <coughs> out, really. It's called laudanum. So that's what I think he got drunk and he was doing that. Fell, drowned in like four inches of water, really. So. And that's the beside the point. But I was quite interested in science fiction, you know, wow, yeah. Anything that would allow my head to seemingly escape, because it didn't look like I could escape here. And so I was ready for something, you know? I didn't know what I was looking for, but I was looking for something, and then alcohol got introduced to me, and I went, that's what I've been looking for. I didn't know it until I found it. But it allowed me to get a a little space in there from, that orbiting around this imaginary pole, because I didn't have any substantial pole, really. So it was just spinning around around, around. And then that wasn't enough, so I graduated quickly with drugs, and so on and so forth. And then I did LSD, of course I didn't, but this is the story of trying to get something across. So LSD was really cool, and maybe the first 12, 13 trips, because it was very, revelatory and then became entertainment, you know, just doing it just to get out of myself like every fucking thing else. So then I got introduced to spirituality and I believed that spirituality was beyond these other things, that spirituality wouldn't be touched by the head as these things were, that it was a noble endeavor. I did, and I was very sincere, and when I was a kid in school, I wanted to be a, a missionary, so they got me this little Jesuit magazine, The Nuns <laughs> from Africa and shit like that, and I had this a sense of altruism, you know, underneath this fucking self-centered umbrella, and so, so I got introduced to spirituality like I was 20 years old, not Catholicism, but something else. And meditation, and meditation was like something I could do, and solid, and and really, basically, I was trying to convince me that I was okay, because I felt like totally un-okay, and, and what was setting the rules for me to be okay would change the rules. If I did a certain amount, I'd get maybe an okayness for an hour or two, but it was like slavery, really, yeah? So got into meditation, really into it, and I'm disciplined, I am, on that level. I'm disciplined. I was like, yep, yeah. I started meditating every day, moved into a group home, not a, you know, not a fuck, mentally challenged, I mean a group home of spiritual <laughs> seekers, called Premies, <laughs> and you know, we had visitors from India and we did service and all like that. And so that went on from 20 to 25. Now, I have ran into something there because something started to become obvious. Because you'll meet a new topic in one's life, yet you have thousands of ideas about the topic. You've never experienced a topic, you just meet quote unquote spirituality with a guru, but then you have thousands of ideas downloading how I should be, how the guru should be, how they fucking should be. Yes, I mean, it's just unbelievable. It was like a giant shoot of mental, like uh, enough ticket tape shit for like 30 fucking (laughs) parades in New York, you know, just just tons of ideas. And then one of them was they presented this, the guru as the Lord of the universe. Wow, man. Now, the Lord of the Universe is fucking, you know, that was pretty daunting to me. And I was not liking the Lord of the Universe, which really made me feel very uncomfortable. (laughs) With that which was playing God, I felt very uncomfortable because I didn't really like him. The kid, he was 12 years old, and yet uh, my girlfriend was a devotional type, I was more like a Raja yoga, you know, meditate. It's, but I just, it just drove me fucking crazy to the point. He had this thing in Florida once and he had a, it's like a seven day event. And uh, he was driving around in a car and I was thinking jokingly, but not so jokingly, if I had a poison dart with a time delay, so I could hit him now, but it wouldn't affect until 50 yards down. So they wouldn't know. They wouldn't know it was me. And then I'd get rid of them. Then I could leave or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, so the only way I could really escape it was going back to my old identity, which was bad. Bad was the only way I could have any fucking real relief. If I took all the pressures off being perfect by being really fucking bad, like shooting drugs, like that, I got some kind of break from like thing playing god. Yeah, because this idea of the head playing God, I'm very, very intimate with, because it did. Yeah? This foreign little pathogen took this possibility over and played God completely. It had me pinned to the point where, for me to feel just to get a little relief, I had to fucking really act out. So that's what I did. I finally went back to drugs again. And then I, that was it, you know, I broke free. But then, you know, it led to me getting run over by a car twice, and which caused a lot of things. Yeah, so it wasn't, it really wasn't uh it wasn't a working solution, really. <laughs> you know, blow everything up, I get a lot of the shrapnel, so I find, so what happens, I go back out and then, I get washed up suddenly into recovery. And then I decided I got a, the only, the best part of my life was when I was with this guru. You know, I learned massage, I was going out to dinner with people, you know, had community, doing service at psych wards, you know, Willowbrook, Creedmoor, teaching meditation in jail and everything it was, you know, so I started to try to go back there, the same thing, but now with no guru, I'm gonna go Buddhism, Zen, <laughs> it's just going to be me and me and and then uh, <laughs> I built up a pretty good resume. went to forest monasteries in Thailand, fucking uh, Australia, I did a 10-day retreat with Gwenka dude, did retreat. Weekends here did a lot of meditation, yeah, and then uh, 13 hours a day. Some of them. One time I did 21 days. I lost a pound a day because all I had was like a week soup at 10:30 in the morning. Meditating 13 hours, just hallucinating like fucking unbelievable. Calling them spiritual realizations, it was just hallucinations. In my, head. I was just fucking out there. And no one spoke English. It was just, just God. So. So, uh, you know, still doing it, yeah. But but, and uh, I was getting acknowledged by some Zen people. They were thinking, "You're like an awake one. You don't have to go into a temple. Fucking, you're just gonna wander." It sounded good. Yeah, it'll be a wandering <laughs> fucking thing. Because I wanted to be Chinese when I was young. I did Tai Chi everything the idea of being completely detached so I don't get fucking hurt really, but yeah. So what happened was, I don't know, these ideas creeped in. First, The Course in Miracles, yeah, and The Course of Miracles triggered a giant laughing fit that lasted a long time. Every time I heard someone share, it sounded, you know, it just described so, so much that it was like an avalanche of information that wasn't meant to inform. It was just meant to override. It just overrode that which was playing God, really. Yeah, and uh, then, you know, non-duality, this idea, which to me was quite novel, because most of my life it was basically maybe many, many, many different trajectories, but the same direction. You know, you're starting here and you want to get there. Yeah, no here, there. Here has to be used to get there. You know what I mean? mean? (laughs) So it was a very novel idea. I listened, yeah, and then I learned a lot about listening, you know. And then things happened, you know. My mind opened up, like different, uh, like, you know, with a giant reflective surface, you know, so this is like picking up nothing in a way. So I, uh, went with it, yeah, heard a couple of people, read a book or two, three books, I liked Ramana Maharshi's thing, and I liked this other guy, Ramesh Balsakar, so I went to India and saw him, yeah, and then I went to where Ramana lived and just sat, you know, hung around. And there was a lot of people giving satsang there. And so, I, what happened is I'd come back to America and I'd go to talks by people and I was feeling something, I couldn't put my finger on. Uh, I would say it was of yeah. ness yeah, the person was sitting up there and everyone was here and everyone believed that person was awake, but I don't know if they sensed they were awake, yeah? Yes, so there was a lot of meaning given to that person, but there was a subtle meaning that they were resting in that isn't true to me, yeah? So I felt a little weird, I'm going, wait a minute, there's something missing here. And then this one time I was there, and he, this guy shared, and he said, he, he told an old Zen thing, which is, I'm like a man standing by the river selling water. So I went, wow, yeah. So I started to feel, you know, a little wetness, wait a minute. And then he said, he started laughing, which I'd never heard him laugh like this. He says, I'm, I'm like a man standing in the river selling water. And that was the bye-bye day. <laughs> Why am I suspending the wetness to get wet, you know? It's crazy, you know what I mean? My wanting to get wet is suspending the inherent wetness. Now, I had a flavor of that, but then it became really obvious, yeah? That you and I, by looking for it, are blind to it, seemingly, in other words, it's our looking for the truth, if you want to call it that, is a blindness to the truth, seeming blindness. It doesn't blind anything, but it, uh, it appears to that which is seeing that it's not that which it's looking for, or it would make no fucking sense to be looking for it, yeah? So its premise is, I'm not that, that I'm looking for, so I'm, but all the while, I'm using what I'm looking for to look for. It. Now, for me, this was a rude awakening, which really was the end of a lot of things. It really was. It was because the rude awakening uh, just reverberates because you see its example all day. You just cannot not see it. Yeah, you can see our whole modus operandi that the whole the way this is, is incapable of arriving where it already is. It just can't possibly do it. And the more and more subtle it becomes, the subtler the distance is thrown in there. Like a half an inch is a million miles. Really. And so, yes? It will always just. Just, just the slightest little bit of assumption causes the whole trigger of being blind to what's looking. No. It doesn't mean, alright, I'm looking a lot less, so there's less. It's not really like that. You know? So so then I don't know what happened. Here I am, I'm in recovery from drugs and alcohol. I'm leading these workshops trying to be helpful, yet they're turning into sans yeah, because more downloads were occurring, and I'm going, wait a minute, this is sort of like ah, walking with lead shoes, you know, it's better than fucking burning in hell, but it's, and this is just a much fucking quantum leap, so I'm losing interest in, okay, let's write this down, I'm just saying fuck, you know, this, this sense of self, it's the act of being identified as what you're not, that's, That's how what you are is obscuring itself from itself. It's in the act of being identified. It's never identified. It's always the act of being identified. See, this is the trip. The act of of being identified presented in time infers that you were identified and you're going to be identified. So that which it can't make is assumed to already be so and that it will be so. See, this is the fucking robbery. So, it's, it's always, but it never, you, you and I believe. Yes, yeah, so it presents, uh, you know, it's always in the act of being identified as self, but it's not a self, it can never be, yes? There's no self to be identified as, yeah? But it's always in the act of being identified, And it's really, when that's happening and you're not clear, it infers that's the case. You were were self, you're definitely gonna be self, and and all that gets triggered by the disverbing of selfing, yeah? So the selfing infers a historical self, past and future. And you'll hear it, it's so fast that people will go, oh! I've been selfing all day, yeah? So there's the selfing, the selfing, they think they've caught it, they've seen it, but the hook's in because it's them, it's the self that thinks it's been selfing all day. So what I noticed was, all right, present this info, but then you gotta be like an ear doctor. You gotta check out how people are hearing it and maybe be there to see, okay, there's the secondary hook, there's the third hook. There's the fourth hook. And it doesn't go, have to go to the 20th hook. Let's go five hooks. You know, most of you are never going to get to the fifth hook anyway. You're going to just see it, and hopefully grace will be there, and you'll travel later. Oh, wow. Yes, that's all. But you see it. Oh, whoa, wait a minute. Oh, I successfully got out of that one hook. Well, that's a fucking hook.
1: Yeah,
0: (laughs) You're slipping into one while you're thinking you're getting out of one. So I figured, and then I was listening to things and I was seeing, and then I saw spiritual seeking as an addiction. All this stuff started to happen because when we did this website, we left the confines of recovery and started speaking to other people. And first I wasn't motivated to speak because I said, these people are fucking great fucking drove up in an Audi and fucking brought $80 crystal water bottle, fuck, you know. But then I saw, wow, it's insane. Because there's no interventions in the spiritual world, really. No one's going to tell you not to sign up for the retreat or stop you from signing up. They won't. Yeah, it can go on and on and on and on. At least AA gets so flamboyant, a drug addict usually, someone's going to stop them the cops or something, usually something's gonna go, enough's enough, and you can't fucking do this anymore. <laughs> but in spirituality, it's not probably gonna happen. Yeah, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. So, all right, this thing started to hit me, and then from that point on, I've never really changed the theme of all the talks, because I'm serious, serious completely serious with this. I haven't seen a way that you can bypass this information and not be looking from the problem. You just cannot see it. Maybe through grace it would, and maybe the moment of your death or whatever, but as as a working understanding in time, I don't see it able to withstand the claiming. I really don't. So you catch what you're not that you've been assuming to be a representative of you, you see it as not you, that's all. And then it will claim to be the seer of itself, and then you go, and I'm not that, yeah? And so now, wait a minute, the, the thief and the police little conundrum negates each. Oh, fruit boom. there's no policeman, there's no witness, or fucking, what some fucking moral, spacious, supreme viewer, you know? There's no witness or fucking thing like that. It's all made up by the head. It's just seeing, <laughs> that's all. The seeing the seeing can be co-opted or it cannot be co-opted, yeah, but it's all seeing. There's no, yeah, <laughs> all the looking does not make looking see. It's, yeah, looking is seeing in time, really. Seeing in time is looking. Because in time, there's, an, there's a very subtle intent. You're not really gazing, you're gazing for a little bit of time. Yeah? You're not completely there, usually, because time's moving you to another there. Yeah? So you're gazing, oh, I'm gonna gaze today. But it's framed as when I wasn't gazing and when I'm not gonna be gazing, in a way. Yeah? So. Seeing cast in time is looking. So unfortunately, or fortunately, time is of dreaming. So you're taking the looking to be real, so real that you're using it to try to find yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yeah? The looking is being used to try to find itself, really, yeah. Now, if you get a sense of what you are out of time, you'll see the looking is seeing, yeah? It's never not been seeing, it's never gonna not be seeing, it's just seeing, yeah? Interpreted through time as looking, yeah? So, all right, so you are what you're looking for, seriously, I mean seriously, it's not a little trick. You are what you're looking for, and if you really want to be that, sign up up for the retreat. No, it's not like that. You are what you're looking for. Uh, How could that be? Well, you're not that that just said that. See, because the system will arise to reinforce the system. So now you start catching it, you know? You see the emperor with no clothes, yeah? And you'll see it's just an extension of you in the act of dreaming. That's all, so on. So it doesn't have to end. There doesn't have to be a giant schism where the truth and the reality finally breaks from the dream. No, the dreaming and reality, same, same. One is timeless and the other's time, yeah. So at the same time, there's timelessness, always at all times, with no requirement necessary, always available, and then there's time, yeah. They're not, you know, fighting it out timelessness is inserting at all time yeah every moment timelessness is available yeah so you can see at the same time as looking is occurring you can see the looking you can see from timelessness and you'll see the looking yeah and you'll see it's just sort of like no hand, no hand, no hand, no hand, no hand, and membrane a dreaming hand, 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 hand. But it's no hand, no hand, no hand, no hand, no hand. It's no hand, no hand,, not even, no hand. just empty, empty, and then appearance, but it's empty. Like in Buddhism, they say emptiness is form, is form is emptiness. Yes, exactly, yeah. So here you go. you're seeing form, but it's inherently empty, because why it's not real?. You know what I mean? That's with your viewing is seemingly even less real than you, because you think you're real and you're going to end on 90 years at the most, 100, maybe. You're going to like it'll be like nothing ever happened. So you're really, your exclamation of being real is based on a very, very weak story, because you end, yeah? And if you wanted to really judge reality, you would say, reality would not begin or end just is. Well, that doesn't sound like Paul Hedman. <laughs> <laughs> Paul It seems like it's gonna end, you know? Yeah, so maybe, just maybe, yeah, I don't know, I don't think it's hard to, you know, if you take some of the Buddhist principles like Buddhism 101, they're very, very instructive. Yeah, so you get the four noble truths. Right? Four noble truths. Suffering. Now, some people have a lot, dukkha, you know, they they interpret a lot. Some people believe it's like a malaise, like a general malaise, which is really reinforced and teased out through time, yeah? Because even when you're feeling great, time comes in and says, well, you might not be later. So, there's, yes, there's no so yeah there's a malaise suffering and what's causing the malaise is desire probably desire for it to be different really (laughs) now you're not going to stop that desire but can you can see you're not the one who has the desire you can definitely see that i'm not a believer all right i've got to live a desireless life that's too ridiculous to me now all of that continues but There's no one who has a desire. Like Buddha supposedly said, who knows what he said. But I like this one, he says, hey, events happen. So let's, you know, they happen. They're happening, let's say. Deeds are being done, yes? But there is no individual doer thereof. So he's not negating, he's not, fuck, nothing's happening. He's just saying, hey, it sure seems like it's happening. Events are happening, deeds are being done. But there's no individual doer thereof. So basically, there's no noun to be found, really. It's all an add-on. So the story of this place of manifestation is manifesting, it's verbing. Verbing, 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 verbing. So, so it says desire, so what happens? You gotta, to, how to get out of desire? And this is, well, that's the Eightfold Path, yes? Four. So then the Eightfold Path starts out. And it's linear, so there is an importance. Some people came to the talk once and said, well, it can be seen as circular, but when it goes eight, one, two, three, usually it means, you know, (laughs) it didn't say the circular path, it said the eightfold path. So numero uno is right view. Right view. The second, third, fourth, I don't remember, but it's right livelihood right meditation, right uh, concentration, whatever it may be, but right view. Now what happens is, based on the wrong view, there's a belief that I can get the right view through through meditation, through a lifestyle, through an understanding, you see? That's wrong view being expressed, really, if you wanna see it that way, yeah? The right view, the right of the view migrates to all the other topics. The other topics do not produce a right view. Especially if you're not aware that the mental state is claiming to be the one who has the livelihood, the one who has the understanding, the one who's doing the meditation, yes? So all that stuff is re- actually being used to reinforce the one that you're not. How could that be right, in a sense? So, the right view is anatta, non self. That's the right view of Buddhism. Yeah? Non self. Now, is there a feeling of being a self? Definitely. But is there anyone having that feeling? No. Yeah? So, if you're waiting never to have that feeling again, what's waiting is self. (laughs) So, this is more of an inclusive idea, where everything is let be as it is, and still, yeah, in other words, there's no, there's not one consideration that needs to be taken under consideration, unless you believe you need to take it under consideration. Yeah. In other words, if you've set it up that the only way I'm gonna trigger you know, the joy of doing nothing is doing something, well, you better fucking do it, yeah. And then the doing something will fail you, which will be great because you'll get, you'll be clear about that. And then, all right, you know, let things be. And what happens? I don't know, you'll find out. You've been coming for a while, something must be occurring. Maybe your little lightness is leaking in and you know you're not the cause of it. So that's beautiful. I mean really. And then most of your life will end up not being able to really be claimed because so, it's so absurd that it, it's just an absurd presentation. Oh, here he is. There he goes. Yeah, this is, as I just said, it's an absurd presentation. <laughs> That's my illustration. <laughs> 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 you look like the the statue. So you, look- <laughs> <hands are> <laughs> you look like the Statue of Liberty after it got electrocuted. <laughs> 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 I'm in a <laughs> <laughs> You're in that way making cartoons. You're in that. Yeah. What's that one? Yeah. You have a. That's good. Go I wish you were here earlier, earlier, because you're such a perfect example of what I'm trying to warn them about. (laughs) Now, I'm already at the end of the text. I have to go back to the beginning of the text. Oh, like the back. Look at the back, it's cold. (laughs) This is This is my my long-lost dad. (laughs) I'm longing to be lost. (laughs) That's what happens when you don't get it. (laughs) Don't worry, there's nothing to get. All right, well, if I was going to say anything else... let you be yeah you'll be the final statement yeah so yes that's it i can't beat that (laughs) i'm happy to see you i was gonna bring something for you and i'm and uh i'll tell you about it yeah no, those uh, those, those sedatives. <laughs> those sedatives. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're off your medicine. <laughs> All right, well, that's that, eh? Everyone's. Yeah, you want to get the thing? No questions, right? No. Uh, this is what happens when you survive a fatal accident. You mm-hmm. think? Yeah, I had on with my truck. Today? No.